Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, welcome back to the No Ratings Podcast. It's that time again. It's the insight. It's a Sunday. You're having your cup of tea or whatever choice of beverage that you like on a Sunday. And you're listening to me and Raj talk about Manchester United against Spurs. We may touch on Man City, Newcastle, depending uh, on the time and uh, whether we have time. Uh, I'm currently in the studio and we are recording straight after, so that, that is dependent on how long this takes. Raj, as always, that Calvin Klein shirt, <laughs> a different colour this week. Let's get it. How are you, bro? Not bad, not bad. Um, I mean, that game wasn't the greatest quality, I don't think, between Spurs and Manchester United. But I was expecting that from Spurs because had their best players out. But it's just more disappointment for Man United. And I think the injuries it's used is now drying up for Ten Hag. He's got most of his players back and still the same turgid football. So, yeah, it, it ended up in it being a low-quality match for me. Let's uh, let's let's delve a bit deeper into that because I'm, I'm watching this game thinking Manchester United are without uh, Lissandro Martinez, Casemiro and Shaw, you'd say, first-teamers. Spurs are without Madison, Son, Kulisevsky, Papisar, Yves Basuma five starters um i left that feeling like i watched one team with a style and a purpose and another team hitting and hoping um so let's start with manchester united because i feel like that's probably the the talk for this game what did you make of it yeah i mean they're just caught in between no having no style of play as you said Angie's style of play remains the same and even gary neville alluded to it they were building up uh, slowly through the third and they were able to get through Manchester United's press quite nicely at times and a bit too easily and then Manchester United was sometimes pressing high and sometimes falling back into a deeper block and then sometimes just firing hit and hope passes in transition they did get goals from that because that's what their strength is mm. but again it lacked an identity um, and even when they did press high I thought it was so easy for Spurs to pass around it um, but what Spurs were lacking was some quality in the final third I think that Werner Richarlison, Brendan Johnson for three didn't have the best of days. Even though Richarlison did score from a corner, I thought the rest of it was very, very average from Spurs' point of view. But if they had their front three fit, they would have won this match comfortably. Well, I think I've just seen a tweet, actually. Um, Spurs played with Skip Heuberg and Bentancur in midfield and they controlled the game. 
Uh, I know <laughs> I know what you think of uh, Hoiberg, so uh, I won't go into that too much. Um, but essentially, they had call him Mister Lead Legs himself. <laughs> Looks like he's carrying a whole pack of uh, lead in a, in a rucksack, <laughs> and he's carrying that around with him in a match, and he's got no subtlety to his game. Uh, yeah, I think he's a bang average player, Pierre-Emil Hoiberg, and I think Andrew's done the right thing to relegate him to a backup place. Well, that's quite telling that you just said that about him. Then they'll skip the other side of Bentancur, and they ran that midfield against mm. Ericsson, Kobe Manu, and uh, Bruno Fernandes. We obviously spoke mm. about style. Obviously, Manchester United fans are going to say, there's no Lissandro Martinez, he obviously comes on in this game. Manchester United, the Rashford performance, I actually, actually do want to talk about Rashford very quickly, actually. I saw a few of your tweets about Rashford. People are very indifferent on Marcus Rashford. I saw you get a lot of stick for your tweets on Rashford. So let's hear those yeah. tweets out loud on the pod for those that didn't see the tweets. Honestly, the stick Marcus Rashford gets just baffles me. Obviously, there's room for improvement in this game. I've said this before. The difference between someone like Rashford and Hungmin Son is the decision-making. Son knows when to pass, knows when to shoot, knows when to take an extra touch, knows when to dribble, but Rashford sometimes miscalculates that. But Rashford brings a whole lot of threat to Manchester United. You mm. saw that for both goals today. Those runs in behind, he's always active. He's always sniffing out an opportunity on the last line. He can cut inside very nicely. He's got good close control and uh, decent enough dribbling. And then he's got a brilliant strike on him. That second goal, not many players can score that. Not many players at all. Um, and yeah, that's the threat he brings. And this is what I call a classic misdiagnosis of Manchester United issues. Just because Marcus Rashford has room for improvement does not mean he is the problem for Manchester United. He is still providing threat on the pitch and he's still creating opportunities or scoring opportunities. So yeah, I think it's just, it's just where the blame is not, is, not, is not at Rashford's feet. It's at other players' feet. It's at the coach's feet for how he's tactically setting up the team. So Rashford is far from any kind of issue for United right now. They've got far bigger fish to fry um, rather than Rashford's so-called improvements, which he can make, but they're not a main issue for United at the moment. It, they're in a, a weird place where like, it feels like uh, Manchester United fans like the wrong players and hate the right players. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in, in this game, I, I don't want to talk about Bruno Fernandes too much, but I did look at his passing stats and they were absolutely a shambles to be honest um yeah but what i'll say rambo is kevin de bruyne is on a different level i'll be honest in terms of creative passing but bruno fernandez is probably second or third best with him and trent with kdb and trent in terms of creative passing Mm. the thing is those two do give the ball away but they've got a structure to get the ball back as when they've lost it they've got a structure to have support for the ball carrier so he doesn't have to aimlessly fling passes in hope in transition. Um, so those uh, kind of giveaways are limited within a great structure and having a good technical personnel around them. So that's the problem. Bruno is not being maximised and then he gets, again, he gets labelled as the issue for Manchester United. Again, Bruno is not the issue. His creative passing is a strength. Manchester United should be focusing on that, maximising that, providing an environment for that to succeed and they don't have that. And that's why their fans end up deflecting blame to the likes of Bruno. Same with Rashford. Then that leads me very nicely onto the subject that I think you absolutely do blame. Um, And I'll give my thoughts on the Bruno-Rashford thing shortly, but you're on a roll. I don't want to ruin it. Uh, Eric Ten Hag. Yeah, Eric Ten Hag. I've had issues with him for a long, long time. I didn't, as people on the podcast know, I didn't buy this fourth place or third place finish last season. 
the key for me is not just results, it's how you're getting those results. Is it in a sustainable fashion where you're able to dominate games, which then indicates that you can go further and challenge for the best t- trophies I mean, with the best teams? And again, we've seen the problem this season. That's where Manchester United fall down. They've got that third-place finish. They've not been able to progress. And we saw that today. I mean, I've just seen the passing network for Manchester United. It's absolutely abysmal. Kobe Maynou's there as a six. And there's literally no uh, ball receivers ahead of him within any kind of distances. There's people to the side of him. And there's then a massive gap to the likes of Ericsson and um, uh, Bruno and the wingers. There's no one supporting him. And that fit with my eye test today where mainly was receiving the ball and it was like he was receiving a grenade. Hmm. And then he had to try and deal with that grenade as quickly as possible and as well as he could in an individual manner because he had no support. And he had to try and turn out a pressure and then fire a pass or produce an absolute raking pass into the wingers. So, yeah, the structure today was abysmal. And it's Ten Hag doing this 3-1-6 business. And I don't know why he's doing it, but it doesn't work. It's not the Eredivisie where you can play that uh, and just have uh, someone like a, a Graven Birch just carrying it a million miles because there's no one uh, pressing him in midfield. This is the Premier League and you, the three-one-six. how he's playing it is not always not going to work. It's not going to work and you're going to struggle to imprint your identity on matches and that's the case again today. I think you've hit the nail on the head and pretty much taken the words out of my mouth. But on that point just there about Ten Hag and... Um... The three one six, and to be completely honest, I actually think we're at a point where um, it fluctuates so frequently. Um, you think about the Aston Villa game; United pressed, but Aston Villa played a high line today. They didn't press. I feel like they they do a bit of everything and not a lot of anything, and hence the identity is lost somewhere in between that. And that obviously comes down to the manager. Um, Ange Postacoglu has obviously been in the job, what, six months maybe, seven months? Uh, Ten Hag's been in the job 21 months, roughly. Um, and I feel like I watched Spurs rock up to uh, Old Trafford and dominate the game. And that, I don't think, can happen, especially if you think back to Ten Hag in his Ajax days. Um, they weren't a team that were going to get particularly dominated for possession. They get bullied as well. And there's so many factors, mm-hmm. and people just turn around and go, it's the players. Yeah, I think there's also got to be a retrospective analysis on what Ten Hag did at Ajax. I think the build-up quality of his players individually was so good, the likes of Lissandro, Timber, Frankie, Gravenberg, at different areas, of course, um, and Masrawi, Daily Blint. These are all unbelievable technicians, by far the best in the league. And they were just able to fire passes from mm. the back into all kinds of distances uh, because the defensive structures aren't as great in the Eredivisie. Um, and yeah, that is why it's not really translating to this football in the Premier League because he's not been coaching the best build-up trips at Ajax, in my opinion. Um, and then that's now translated over here. So that's probably why uh, we've kind of inflated his work at Ajax because his individual technicians were that good there. He was able to dominate. So that's Ten Hag out of the way. Um, I think like I, I, I've said this pretty much since the first time I saw all this talk about Manchester United potentially being title contenders and all this stuff, I just don't think they've got... not, And I don't even think it's a quality in player, actually. It's just a quality in style. Every time I watch Manchester United, I don't know what I'm watching. And I think if you're a football fan who maybe isn't even into tactics, I don't even think you need to be into tactics to just watch the games and go, this is not a repeat of what I watched last week. And I think the game has developed in such a way that if, say, for example, you look at the best teams in the world who play this, uh, whatever style they choose to play... You are watching the same thing every single week and they don't 
move that around at all uh, unless it's a final or the opposition's Real Madrid or whatever. Manchester United feel like they move regardless of who the opposition is. Um, let's talk very quickly about Spurs. Missing loads of players. Obviously, as you said at the top, it wasn't a, a phenomenal game of football. There was just very good moments at times. Um, Timo Werner came in. Brennan Johnson was very wasteful. Richarlison, I actually thought, played one of his best performances in terms of his link-up players' ability to hold on to the ball uh, and also leading as a nine. Uh, what do you make of Spurs at this moment in time? Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. Yeah, I think Spurs' identity is clear. I think they're doing well in terms of build-up. They've got the Romero-Van de Ven partnership today. I do think they're a bit frail down that left channel of Manchester United and their right channel. It was a bit too easy to fire passes there uh, and then cut inside. And that's probably because they're missing the defensive screening influence of Pape Matassar on that side. And also Bissouma, uh, Ben Tanker is not the best defensive screen. He's a good ball player, but he's not the best defensive screen. So that was a bit too easy today. Um, and I thought Romero as well wasn't the same aggressive self. I'm wondering if those kind of red cards have got into his head, those fouls have got into his head a bit, mm. but he needs to tone it down. Because I thought he did allow Rashford to come inside a few times and I'd normally expect him to go charging out and tackle him. Um, but yeah, that's probably the one area they do look vulnerable in transition still with that high line and not the best protection on the inside when you cut inside their fullbacks. Uh, but I think the personnel could help solve that. Uh, the front three, yeah, I do think, have a worry for Spurs in their front three. I do think they've capped their ceiling a bit by spending almost £100 million in the last two summers on Richardson and Brennan Johnson combined. Richardson, yeah, he did all right today. He did all right compared to his usual standards. But he's not a real... He's not going to poach you a ton of goals, in my opinion, Richardson. His movement is a bit flat-footed in the box. Mm. He's a bit clunky when he drops as well. Um, that's why I actually liked Hungman's on at nine. But then, now they've had an issue in the wing areas. The wingers aren't really producing the goods. Brennan Johnson today, I thought some of his final balls were terrible. Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> exactly. He was hooking crosses over the top of everyone about three or four times. And I thought, this guy's 48 million. That's gone under the radar. They're talking about Darwin Nunes. They're talking about Rasmus Hoyland. Who's talking about £48 million Brendan Johnson? He's not produced a good so far, I can tell you that. Um, and I think Kulisevsky is obviously good, uh, but he lacks that kind of explosive burst in the wide areas, which is why he's now been played as a 10. And now Timo Werner. Timo Werner is very similar to Brendan Johnson. He just looks to attack space in behind defenders. His ball-to-feet work... He's quite average. Hmm. I mean, he got that assist today, but I mean, I would have got that assist with that sideways pass he played, to be honest. <laughs> so he's not going to create, he's not going to beat you in a 1v1. He's again, an attacker of space like Brennan. 
So I'm a bit worried about those wide dynamics, but my opinion is Spurs will have enough to get fourth. When they get Madison back, Madison is probably been the second best attacking midfielder this season. Sorry, best attacking midfielder, in my opinion, when he was fit. Uh, or with Kevin De Bruyne out, he was the best, in my opinion. He's better than Sabosli. He's better than Erdegaard. So once he, better than Bruno. So once he get Madison back, I can see things uh, improving in the final third. He's got the ball striking from distance. And then Son, obviously, Asia Cup. Basuma, Saar. I think that is a quality, quality 11, other than those issues in the wing departments. So I think they'll get fourth place, in my opinion. And today was a good result for them, the 2-2, really, with the amount of absence they had. They'll take that back. Uh, and then they'll try, I think what they'll try and do is kind of grind out results until the Son and Madison come back. And I think they'll get fourth, and I think they're better than Aston Villa, in my opinion. Also, performance-wise, they take the 2-2, but performance-wise, they didn't rock up and pinch a 2-2. They fully deserved the 2-2. They could have won the game. I think they hit the crossbar and the post. Um, mm. So I think they probably leave today going, we could have probably won, but with all the injuries and everything to take into account, it was a very good result. Um, one thing tactically that I find interesting with Spurs is very, very quickly, uh, Pedro Porro. Um, he's come on leaps and bounds this season. I honestly thought he was slacking last season. I thought they put, I thought it was another player from the Portuguese league that's going to struggle in, in the Premier League for physicality. Mm. Um, but then he's now playing inverted and, dare I say, he's not got the, the ball striking or the passing ability of Trent, but he plays the role very similarly. He started to almost tuck in as a, a right-sided eight at times. Uh, there was a little dribble at the end of the game where he was stuck in the corner. He dribbled through three players, popped it into Richarlison and got them going. Um, so he's had a phenomenal development, uh, and that's down to Ange. I think Ange has recognised he probably doesn't fancy going back the other way every two minutes. Uh, so Romero comes and sweeps across in that channel pretty well. Um, I think that that's a brilliant area for Spurs. They do still have work to do, like you said. Um, do you want to very quickly touch on Man? Sorry, go on. Yeah, yeah. I think those two fullbacks they've recruited in the opposite uh, regard to their wingers. Their two fullbacks are very high ceiling players, Adogi and Polo. And I think they've done very well there. And those were signings more from their director of football, uh, Paratici. And this is where they need to be careful. They need more signings like that, less of the Brendan Johnsons mm. of this world. Uh, and that's where they can really improve the ceiling of their team. And I think Poro, you said, yeah, he isn't like Trent. But actually, I think some of his short passing is probably better than Trent yep. at this moment. Uh, some of those passes he fires between the lines, they're, they're very tough to stop. Um, and he kind of... He, he knows where the space is, basically. He's always moving, on the move. He's either coming in field or sometimes going out and kind of playing with uh, the opposition's head. They don't know where he's going to pop up. And he's in a very all-rounded fullback. I think there was a perception he was more of a flying wingback when he first mm. came in. And he was at Sporting Lisbon. But he's shown himself to be comfortable in all areas of pitch in possession. He's decent defensively now. He was getting roasted last season, but he's improved a lot. And he's got pace as well. And he smashed in a beauty against Burnley last week as well. So he's got a lot of facets to his game. I do like him, Pedro Porro. Do you want to very quickly touch on uh, Man City-Newcastle? Do you have any overarching thoughts? Man City-Newcastle, yeah, it was an interesting game. I think, obviously, Kevin De Bruyne, the guy's come back and he's just hit where he left off after the uh, uh, treble winning season. Absolute joke of a pass for that uh, Oscar Bob goal. Just destroys three lines of defence in one uh, the goal is classic De Bruyne's exposed the classic Newcastle weakness, which is leaving space in that defensive midfield area. They play a flat midfield three. One of them sometimes jumps up and then the two are meant to cover the other passing lanes while still being there, ready to engage a press if they need to. Uh, but they don't play a proper DM. They play a free in a line. And then Kevin De Bruyne saw that, found the space, smashed it in, easy as you like. Uh, so yeah, Kevin's going to be a big, big uh, factor in the title race now. 
that's why Man City are my favourites. Haven't even used Erling Haaland for a month, which is a joke, really. More than a month now. Um, and then, yeah, I think they, there's some weakness there for Man City defensively compared to last season. I think Diaz has been on the ropes. He's struggling. This season. Yeah. I thought Isaac was giving him a torrid time. Carl Walker, he's lost that bit of edge to him. He's lost that edge where he's snapping into people in the 1v1 when they've got him faced up. Isaac faced him up and bent it in. Uh, or was that Gordon? It was yeah, like Gordon. Gordon, wasn't it? He did that one. Yeah, it was Gordon. Um, and then in positionally, I've never liked Carl Walker positionally. And I think with his pace on the wane a bit, you're seeing a bit more of that being an issue where he passes in behind him, coming uh, defending the far post. He's not at the same level. Uh, so, yeah, and Akanji as well. We've seen him in the past. He's not the best defensively. So I've got, they've got stuff to work out. John Stones' injuries are being a, an important factor here. And they've not really... Um, uh, been able to settle on a good combination. Ake's playing centre-back. I'd actually say he's probably a better left-back, mm. in my opinion. Uh, where he able to get low to the ground and defend wingers, that's where his strength is now. His box defending, he's not as dominant. Um, so they've got issues to sort out. But I think De Bruyne, Foden, Doku, Haaland, uh, Bernardo, it's just too much firepower. It's too much firepower for Liverpool to deal with, I think, and Arsenal to deal with. Liverpool have got their attacking issues uh, where Nunes needs to find the net more and Salah's been carrying. And then they've got Jota, but I still think City have that extra firepower because Haaland is going to bury chances, whatever happens. De Bruyne is going to create chances, whatever happens. Liverpool, the creation ticked off. Have they got the guy who's going to bury the chances like Haaland? And have they got the 1v1 threat of Doku? They don't, in my opinion. So those where I think Man City have the edge and, and De Bruyne was... Uh, yeah, he struck fear into the rest of the league with that performance. Um, we're going to talk about this on the roundup, which you'll hear on Tuesday. So, and obviously, this is the insight. We want to talk tactics. Um, I just want to very quickly say, and I will say this in, in, in more detail on the Tuesday pod, I've not seen a player come back from injury and be so feared by everyone. When he came on and put the ball down for the free kick... I've never thought immediately it's going in. This guy's just come back. And I mean, you're a doc. He's come back from a popped hamstring. He should not be striking <laughs> a ball as soon as he's come on, right? Like, that's like that's against yeah. doctor orders. Yeah, it's a joke. He, he's smacking it as well as ever before. He's Yeah. And there was also one moment where I think it was Bernard... No, Foden. Foden got the ball on the right wing. De Bruyne started one of these really late overlaps. Overlapped him. Had two on him. Yeah. Drilled some cross in. And it, it created a big chance from that as well. Um, so that's the classic De Bruyne stuff. It's happening already. It's happening in front He's of our scary, eyes. He's scary, man. He's... And there's nothing different from last season, in my opinion, uh, with him. And, and that means they've got the edge. And the only balancing out Liverpool can provide is Thiago. And if Thiago's hips are going to be okay, I don't know. No one can answer that. So, um, yeah, so that, I think that's why they've got the edge, yeah. Well, we will talk more about Man City because I'm pretty sure in a couple of weeks uh, we'll be doing a Man City-related insight. Um, Also, we will be answering your questions uh, for an insight episode that's going to be coming up. So we'll put a tweet out, ask us your questions, and we will be talking about them. Uh, Raj, thank you very much for your time. Bit bit of a quick one today. Got a couple of things in. Um, Happy? Good to go? Yeah, yeah. Good good show. Nice one because I think it was uh, Spurs and United. There weren't, there wasn't loads to talk about, but still, we made it work. We always make it work. Um, for those yeah. of you listening, thank you very much. As always, uh, if you found us on social media and you've come here via a clip or something, make sure you follow the podcast, uh, drop a like on the podcast as well, and make sure you send us your thoughts in at No Rating Spot. And we'll see you next time. Planning for your next trip. 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist-approved, so fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head-on. 